Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. I was so honored to sit down and converse with two staff members of The Beautiful Project, Kayla Deans and Pamela Thompson. The vision of The Beautiful Project is to use photography and reflective workshops to empower Black girls and women to confront and investigate what it means to be beautiful inside and out. You can read more about The Beautiful Project at thebeautifulproject.org, and as always, I'll include links in the show notes. I encourage you to listen to this episode carefully, thoughtfully, and soak up the wisdom and grace and stand in awe of the ways in which Kayla, Pamela, and the whole beautiful team hold space for each other and the participants in their programs. I'm very grateful for this conversation. I invite you to be inspired and to respond accordingly. Kayla Deans is a music and film enthusiast, storyteller, and image activist who cares deeply about amplifying the voices and images of people who are often unheard or unseen. She believes that media, art, and history can be used as powerful tools for empowerment when placed in the right hands. Kayla is a photographer and writer for The Beautiful Project and currently holds the position of the creative producer, where she develops the media strategy for The Beautiful Project exhibits, manages all of the organization's communications channels, and implements the macro and micro details involved in the creative concepts of The Beautiful Project's programming and presence. Pamela Thompson is a writer, artisan, and activist. Inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, Maya Angelou, and Alice Walker, she believes that because the experience of being a black girl or woman is so dynamic, nuanced, and rich, the full story of black girlhood and black womanhood will never be known until all black girls and women feel empowered and equipped to share their stories their way. At The Beautiful Project, she creates writing practices, tools, and spaces designed to meet those aims, as well as educate the masses on how to better think, speak, and write about Black girls and women. Her activism starts at home, where she is the proud mother of four of the future's brightest and brilliant Black girls, Izzy, Ava, Elle, and Lydia. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Kayla. Hi, Pam. Thanks so much for being here. Hi. Thanks for having us. Would you describe the beautiful project for people who are unfamiliar with it and the kind of work that you do? So the beautiful project is an organization that uses photography and writing to address what we like to say are the mass misunderstandings, misrepresentations, and misuse of the likeness of Black girls and women um, in the world, really. Um, And so the ways that we've done that in the past are through different um, direct service programs here in Durham, North Carolina, and then through exhibits that have been displayed nationally, um, and then also digitally through mm-hmm. our blog and different um, digital exhibits that we've engaged. When was the organization founded? 
So we started, honestly, back in 20, oh, about 2006, 07, uh, with our founder, Jamaica Gilmer, who kind of just started with um, her hopes, her dreams, and her camera, just trying to figure out what she wanted for herself and what she wanted her life to look like. And from there, we've grown um, to be who and what we are now. Were you there then or did you come later? I came later because what started for her is just an exploration of helping Black girls to realize their own beauty and to be able to communicate that for themselves. She just felt like this is this is brilliant, but this isn't enough. I know that there can be more. Um, and she invited me to help her figure out what the more was. And together we discovered how to actually do that more, which at that time was a curriculum that I developed um, around equipping girls to use their voices to say what is beauty, define it for themselves, and to be able to, in a way, defend it, mm-hmm. um, not just about themselves um, in an aesthetic way, like I am beautiful, my brown skin is beautiful, that certainly first and foremost, but then just on the simple things, like that pattern is beautiful to me, regardless of what the world says about it, giving them the autonomy and the courage to stand up to their own convictions. Mm-hmm. Pam, why don't you tell us more? I think this is a nice segue a little bit more about what you do more broadly within the organization. So what started as me creating a curriculum for girls that I just described has now evolved to be a more specific use of the writing as a tool. So I um, create and develop programs and spaces for Black girls and women to figure out how to communicate around beauty, um, how to communicate their story, how to lift the veil of shame around our experiences as Black girls and women so that we can feel emboldened to share um, about what life has been like for us to be here is what my writing coach Zelda Lockhart likes to say. And then also in doing that, I found that um, we are organically at the same time teaching the world how to speak about Black girls and women, um, Mm -hmm. what to say, what not to say. Um, We're kind of discovering that that's what we're doing as well. Can you tell us a little bit more specifically about what one of these programs might look like? Is this a weekly writing workshop or how might this manifest? Yes. So one thing that we have coming up soon um, actually is a writing circle where really, for me, it was just this idea of what it would look like to see a group of Black women in a public space engaged in conversation and writing, just taking up space in the world, giving the world a different view of who we are, what we do, and how we do it. And so it has a lot of different um foci, if you would. So we get the practice of being together and the experience of being together to encourage each other and invigorate each other and to actually make space and time to write Mm -hmm. together. But then also the world gets the blessing of beholding us. Um, It's as simple as that, really. I notice it when I'm just in Harris Teeter with my daughters. I never knew that we would be a vision. I didn't, but people stop us all the time and they gawk at my girls and they compliment them. They have me, they ask me questions. A lady asked me just today, are all those your children? <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's just a sight when you see a lot of black girls or a lot of black women 
together. We really are a sight um, to behold. And so that's one. Another is we have um, a writing workshop coming up for girls where we'll use journaling um, and an experiential process of doing the thing and then writing, writing about the experience of doing the thing and seeing what comes out of that. And we are designing it this way in particular because there are a lot of girls who like to tell stories, but they don't um, marry that with being a writer. Mm. Um, and so we're trying to bring out the inner writer in girls who identify themselves as writers and girls who don't and help them to see how this tool um, can allow them to change the world um, through their their particular lens. Right. Oh, I have so many more questions about that. But Kayla, I want to hear from you. What is your role in yeah. the Beautiful Project? So I guess I should start from the beginning, actually, how I got involved with Beautiful first. Um, so I I joined Beautiful around 2007, and I was an undergraduate at University of North Carolina, and I was an intern. Um, so similar, so where Pamela started off, where uh, initially where it was her in Jamaica doing this program with uh, young Black girls and through writing and through photography, uh, they got to a point where they wanted to expand it a little bit more and also thought about themselves, w- what they were like in as undergraduates, as um, women, you know, stepping into their women um, womanhood. So that's where they started to, to go into college campuses. So... I got involved as an intern. I worked in a photography department where I was trained under, under Jamaica as a photographer. Um, I was able to learn how to not only photograph, but also interview and capture the stories of the of the young Black girls. And it was an amazing experience. But not only was it a, a place for me to mentor the girls, it was also a place for me to um, to learn from these beautiful women and also to learn about myself. So they created a space um, in addition to us, like I said, working with the girls, we also had a space that were directly for us as young women, um, which was at the time our health and wellness sessions, which is led by Erin Stevens, who is also um, a core team member of Beautiful Project. That was really rooted in the care and wellness of who we are and what does that mean um, of being a Black woman in America. And we learned a lot about um, identity and politics and feminism and 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 so forth. So that was my orientation to Beautiful Project. That was my orientation of like stepping into my womanhood. And it was an amazing experience. And it was so great that I just, I couldn't step away. Mm-hmm. So when it was time, when my internship was over, I always told them, you know, let me know how I can help in however way. And um, throughout the years, I did. It got to a point where we were starting to go into a more digital space with our exhibits and our campaigns and not do so much on the groundwork at the time. And I stepped in with the multimedia approach. So that's how I started to join them in a way that was outside of an internship role, um, helping with the different campaigns, helping spreading our words and building our digital community um, on our social medias. And then that was for a couple of years and then turned into a full-time job now, where it was not only expanding our digital storytelling, but also helping expanding our on-the-ground programming. And also being able to expand and, and, and build out what I want to do in terms of my own interests as an artist, as a photographer, as one, as a um, 
film enthusiast as a producer. So it's a I'm as a writer as well. So it's a place where I can explore all of the different roles that I have in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> as an artist. What kind of themes are you hearing from the participants in your program? Another question that's kind of related to that is, is it different when you're talking with the girls than it is when you're talking with the women? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that came in my, mm-hmm. to my mind was, uh, so recently we, we just wrapped up a um, couple of months working with uh, young Black girls and teaching them photography, um, black, black Girl Image Maker Workshop. And one of the, the constant theme that comes up in those discussions are the fact that this is the first time that a lot of these girls feel like that they belong and that they're also in a space where they they see girls who are like them. Um, and oftentimes we've had discussions about like, where are the places that you feel like you do belong and where are the places that you don't belong? And you will think, you know, you, we grow up thinking that maybe school is a place that you, you, you should enjoy and feel like you should belong. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of these girls don't feel like they don't belong for a number of reasons, whether it's just school is hard, you know, mm-hmm. um, and especially in times like this as a young black girl. So um, that's a constant thing that I've been hearing of just like, wow, th- I did not know that there are black girls who is this, who, who like the things that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a place where I can just be free and just be myself and not have any type of, not, not having to deal with any type of judgment. And then with your piece around, you know, is it similar or different from women? But honestly, I've heard the same thing from women as well, me included. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt the same way when I was an intern, when I was an undergrad, and I looked around. And even though all of the women who were there with me in my cohort were absolutely different from me, we all had different interests. If it wasn't for us coming together for Beautiful, we, may, we probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have been friends. Mm-hmm. But um, getting to know each other, it's just like, wow, I, I really feel seen here. <laughs> and I didn't realize that I was walking through spaces, particularly um, at college, not feeling seen mm-hmm. and not being recognized. So, yeah, if I could add to that, I would say I'll reiterate what Kayla said about this idea of freedom. Um, just not realizing similar to if you're sitting at your laptop and you're writing. Uh, for an extended period of time and you don't realize how you've got your shoulders mm-hmm. kind of hunched and mm-hmm. your back humped over until you stop and then you feel that tension when you take a different posture. I feel like TBP has been that space where girls and women have sat back in their chair and lifted up their heads and realized that they could breathe here, um, that they didn't have to pretend or perform. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though sometimes being in a group with women can make you feel like, let me put on my best self, it doesn't take long in our spaces for girls and women to realize like, oh, shoot. (laughs) <laughs> I have to do that here. Yeah. And they stop. I mean, yeah, they, they right. seriously stop. So there's this theme of freedom that I've seen. Definitely what Kayla was saying about this idea of like, I am seen. Uh, girls and women feel understood and they feel uh, valid. They feel this sense of like, this is a space for me to express myself. This is a space where it's okay if I don't know. Um, I feel like I can ask questions here. Um, and again, we've seen that across the board, across the spectrum. It's funny, too, when we break out the camera, 
how you also see a similar scene scene of like don't 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 photograph me i don't want to be photographed mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm not good in front of the camera even some of our staff <laughs> myself like <laughs> no, i don't want to take pictures right. but it's something about the way even jamaica being like um at the helm of leading the charge with us with with what that camera re- really means mm-hmm. and how even though the lens is is shooting you you still are the director of what the image will be she just has made us feel so like relaxed because you know i'm gonna break out my camera Mm -hmm. even if i have to break out my camera phone i'm breaking out this camera (laughs) because you get to dictate what i shoot and so that mess she's really like waved that message like a flag across all the women that she's come across in our programming and just in her life so yeah i agree with everything kayla said about the messages that we've seen sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong, that claiming one's story and uh, taking ownership of one's image, those are really important ideas. Mm-hmm. What are you reading in these stories that are being generated? And is there a change from beginning to end? Like, do you, what kind of growth do you see mm-hmm. uh, during the time that the participants are with you? Mm-hmm. So I think what's happening is a process of becoming and it's a process of possessing the self. And so Aaron has done a good job of helping us to assess our effectiveness. So the goals that we set forward, are we actually doing what we need to do to accomplish them? Mm -hmm. And so one thing we talked about recently is do the girls walk away repeating what they've heard? Or do they walk away with some sort of um, realization that they've come to by experience in our programming? And we talked about how there's this one quote that we like to use from a mom who I think is a mom who's on our board, um, Miss Dosali and her daughter, Nandi. And I think Dosali said of her daughter, You know, my daughter came into this space knowing how to speak and express herself, but I feel like here is where she found her voice. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's across the board. Even you'd be surprised, even after an evening, like we just had a a dinner conversation Mm -hmm. where it was an intergenerational conversation between girls and women. We kind of had an exchange together, shared a meal, and then just gathered in my living room. And we just talked Mm -hmm. um, about this idea of self-care. And even in that conversation, by the end of the conversation, we were leaving and we were hugging and there was um, we have a set of twins, Avery and Sydney, and they were there with their mom, um, Gerilyn. And Gerilyn, the mom, came over to me and she was tearful. And she said that one of her girls, I can't remember if it was Avery or Sydney, came to her and was like, Mom, like, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm about to cry. And she said she told her, it's just your fool, baby. You're just mm-hmm. fool. And she said that, um, thank you, Gerilyn did. She said, thank you for this, because it's been a tough year for the girls for different reasons. But this space, just tonight, being in this space, on top of all the experience that they had had with the photography sessions that they've been taking um, with Jamaica and Kayla, she said just all of it together has just been so much for the girls. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes back to what Kayla was talking about, how they should feel comfortable at school or in their different spaces. But there's something about being with us that has really been a balm Mm -hmm. for some of their open wounds. 
How do you create that space? It requires a lot of vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, one thing Jamaica says often is um, if we need it, somebody else will need it. Yeah. And so I need comfort. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I I just do. I need my space to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. I need to feel like I can be comfortable in it. I need something good to eat. And I typically need something cool and refreshing to drink. Yeah. I need some good music. Yeah. And I need low lighting. Yeah. And so... <laughs> so it's intention, too. So oh, we, yeah. We like pretty things. Yes. We like warm spaces. We like smell goods. Like, it's yep. it's about... It's physical, too. Like, it, the... The physicality of things is very important yeah. with creating space as well, as well as the emotion that we put into it. Yeah. Um, and with yeah. that intentionality, we want the women and girls who come into our spaces to know we care about you a lot. Mm-hmm. And we care that you're comfortable and that you feel like you can relax in here. So we're going to use whatever money we have. And we're going to even if we have to take things from our homes mm-hmm. or or go without a thing here or there, we're going to figure it out so that we can give you an experience that you will not forget because too often in your life, you have to provide that experience for someone else. So let us lay out the red carpet for you. And so I think that starts a place where women and girls come into our spaces and immediately they feel that mm-hmm. they feel the intention that we put into just the physical space. Mm-hmm. And from there, the vulnerability of us being able to say, you know, what we're experiencing or what we've gone through or being able to say what we don't know when mm-hmm. others might think we should know it. I think it just lets people relax. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it's, it kills the pretense yeah. right off the bat. Kayla, I'm wondering if you might share a specific moment in this, these wellness experiences mm-hmm. that you remember that really had a profound impact on your thinking. There are so many different experiences that um, in spaces that they created for us. Um, but the first that comes to mind right now is I remember we all went to Aaron's house, which was lovely once again. So I love coming to these women's houses because you see their personalities like in their decor and it's warm and it feels good. It's always good food. And we were sitting before the food part, we were sitting in the living room and, um, and yeah, they had this activity for us. And I can't remember if it was you, if it was Pam's idea or Aaron's idea. It, it had to be Aaron's it because Aaron. it was Aaron. she, she was leading the session. And she's yeah. the one who lead, who was leading the health and wellness, but it also seems like such a Pam thing. <laughs> But the point was, it, it, oh, please wait, fill no, in what the point mine. is. This well, was the night that I led. I forgot. Okay. Right. Well, <laughs> the point is, so <laughs> she told us, so we all had to stand up in different parts of the rooms and she told us to close our eyes and then she turned on music and she told us to dance. So that this yeah, was your idea? Right, yeah. She told us to dance. She was like, dance like no one's watching because literally no one is watching. Your eyes are closed and move freely. And um, in that moment, I was so scared. And you can feel certain people in the room, you know, there was a lot of giggles immediately. We did, we followed the directions. We closed our eyes, but there were some giggles. There were some protests. But then we also had dancers in the room. We also had people who freely were like, yes, this is my thing. But I was not that person. So I I didn't like protest loudly like other people did, but I did. I was nervous. And then in that moment, I was fighting. Um, I had tension in my body of like, why should I be nervous? Because A, all of our eyes are closed. But I was dealing with the the idea of performing. 
and being vulnerable and worrying about what people may think of me, even though at this point we were already, you know, good couple months or a couple weeks into knowing each other. Um, we already set the space where the understanding that this was a safe space. But in that moment when she gave us that direction and the music was good, but she was like, dance freely, dance however you want. I just, I froze. I think eventually though, through the giggles and through the support and throughout, I began to move. Um, but I think that sticks with me even to this day because of there's been, there's always been places and or there's always been times where um, beautiful and the women of beautiful challenge me and, and like, challenge all of us to be our true authentic selves and not to care about what like the outer world say will say about you um in that moment it was about us and our bodies and enjoying ourselves um at least that's how I saw it mm-hmm. I am curious since you led that and I like I said I can't remember the specifics of why and how that tied in but I'm curious what what the intention was behind that yeah it was exactly what you said and yeah. freedom and freedom. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Freedom, which is still a thing. Um, definitely something that I've learned over the years and I feel like I've gotten better at, but I still struggle with that, mm-hmm. you know, of like how to, even as I do the work um, of like how to continue, like continue to be and walk in my freedom. Yeah. And what's crazy is in this current climate, it takes on a whole new meaning for me of facilitating an experience where black women and girls feel like we own our bodies mm-hmm. and what we do with it. It's yeah. a whole other thing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you handle the current political situation? It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really, really, really hard because I feel in this space of like encountering all of these instances where I feel like I'm living a a duality because so I do this work with beautiful project and it's all over me. It is. I I can't help it. It's the reason why, why I do it. And like I say, my activism starts at home because I have four daughters. They're young, they're little, and I need for them to have a different experience from what I had. And so I've chosen to homeschool them And unfortunately, most of our spaces are predominantly white. And I say that as a as a misfortune because of the world that we live in and and how I have to kind of um, suit them up in their armor to have these experiences like what we do with the beautiful project. But at the same time, not to need them so desperately. And so. There are a lot of conversations that I have to have with people that on the one hand, I'm grateful to be able to offer a different perspective. But on the other hand, I'm frustrated because I'm like, why can't you be more thoughtful? You know, like, why can't you just think before you speak or or why? Why are why do we still have to have these kinds of conversations? And so it's really tough, but it emboldens and it fuels our work. Um, and what's been amazing in some respects, and I, and I know Jamaica would have some really keen insight to add to this particular piece, but in some respects, it's kind of like um, lit a fire under supporters um, for people to see how important our work is and how important it is that we do what we do and that we get more funding and more support um, to do what we do because the world just needs more views, mm-hmm. um, period. 
not just uh, a diverse view, but people need to realize that there is diversity even in, in the experience of being a black girl. There is diversity in the experience of being a black woman. We are not a monolith. Right. Um, and we need the platforms and we need the access so that we can so we can tell people that because it's going to be a richer experience for everybody once we're able to do that. Mm-hmm. Kayla, what would you say? To I mean, that was a <laughs> beautiful answer. So I agree with everything that you said. Yeah, honestly, I think I, I ask this question to myself all the time, but I will say it does help. I'm I'm grateful that I'm able to do this work, um, even <laughs> in the middle of everything that's going on politically and socially. Um, it just makes for me personally, um, like similar to what you were saying, like the fire within me, it's, it, it gets a little stronger and brighter because it's like, if we're not going to do this, who is? Um, but sometimes it, it, I mean, a lot of times it is hard, you know, it's hard to, to, you know, turn on the news or, or just hear and see everything that's going on, see the attacks on black and brown bodies and, and know and also recognize that the um, the work that we're doing is a beautiful thing and is an important thing. And um, and it is our form of activism. And to some people, it may be considered a threat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's I think about that sometimes, but I don't I don't stay there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because because, you know, Every Saturday or, you know, we, we gear up and we see our girls and we see their wonderful faces and like their youth and their laughter and their experiences. And um, and they know what's going on. They talk about it. You know, we have girls ranging from eight to um, 14 and they they are smart. They are very clear of what's happening. Um, but at the same time, it's they are there are still moments where, you know, there are still kids and their happiness comes and we're playing jump rope and doing hula hoops. And like, those are the moments that I, I really enjoy and I hold on to when I kind of like let myself experience or really see all the darkness there is around us. I, I hold on to those moments, um, yeah. those light moments that we have. Also, we really lean on one another, the four of us. Like we really, because of, the time that we've been together and everything that we've been through um, when it's been difficult to do this work or to do it together or like our lives are making things hard. Like we have a, a text group where we mm-hmm. talk mostly social, yeah. but there is some work <laughs> stuff that we talk about. But recently and I that y'all probably going to kill me, but I'm probably about to breach um, until mm-hmm. but, but I'm going to tell what happened. Erin. Um, is is living in Texas and so she is working in a co-working space now so you can get away from the house do some work and the folks in her co-working space were about to read the book The Hate You Give oh yeah and she's going to read the book along with them and so she hit us up on the text and was like um y'all have you read this book and would you discuss it with a group of white people and so immediately (laughs) Immediately, Kayla and Jamaica were like, I haven't read it, but no, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not getting ready to put myself in that position. And me, on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, I read it. And yeah, I would discuss it. But 
I think a part of the reason, which I don't know if they know this, but a part of the reason why I would is because I'll be running to them with like, y'all would not believe what happened mm-hmm. as I tap my phone and texting like mm-hmm. this is what happened. And I and, and a lot of times they give helpful feedback. They give first support of like, this is crazy. And then they chime in when necessary with how to um, with how to help us get through it. Like one more quick story. Jamaica. <laughs> Jamaica had an encounter recently where somebody, uh, a white woman at a at a shop where she was just working and having coffee, thought that she could like jump in on a conversation about the way Jamaica's hair was styled. And she was completely offensive. And I don't think she went over there like with the attitude to have a smart mouth. And I don't think she went with that intention, but it was just another reason why she should have approached from a perspective of curiosity instead of a perspective of like a familiarity. And so Jamaica texted us and was like, yo, not believe what happened. And we all like chimed in and we're talking about it. I told her I was on my way. <laughs> you know, it was just, we just had a moment. So we lean on each other heavily in moments where, where we just need to know there's somebody out there who's going to get this and support me without a lot of explanations. Yeah. I think this would be a wonderful time to talk about the sisterhood creed. And that's something that you wrote, wrote, right, Pam? Yes. The sisterhood creed. Would you read it and then tell us why you wrote it and how it's used? Yes. When I look at you, I choose to see a reflection of myself. I know that I can be many things to many people on any given day. And today... You look like the me I am at some point in my journey. Seeing myself in your eyes compels me to give you grace, to choose to love you when you are not so easy to love, to challenge you to higher and deeper things because I know what you're made of and I know that you can do better. I'm compelled to compete for you, not against you. I'm determined to abandon jealousy when it comes to you because you are me and when you receive, so do I. I recognize that my smile holds you up. My kind, sincere words encourage you to jump, believing that the net will appear. My loyalty to your greater purpose helps you fulfill that purpose. I see me in you, so I accept you as you are right now today because, girl, I know you're working on it and we'll get there. United, we can bring more sister hearts together in love. When we walk into a room uniquely the same, giving everyone else around us the freedom to love thy neighbor as herself. Because the beauty I see reflected in your eyes gives me permission to accept the beauty already in mine. You are a sweet reminder of the possibilities available when we make acceptance our choice. Just as you are, I choose you, and I'll keep making that choice every time I see you. So I wrote that because Jamaica and I were talking about wanting to set a norm for how the women and girls that we engage within our organization would um, how we would behave with one another, essentially. Um, so what would kind of like be our code for how we treat each other? And so it started as just that. But then 
just in our personal friendship, because Jamaica and I were friends before we started working together. Um, we, we recognized that these things were what we endeavored to do between one another and what we endeavored to do with all the Black women um, and girls in our lives. There is a really old and false, I would say, narrative about like Black women can't get along. We're always fighting. Like just, and, and there's a lot of reality TV that mm-hmm. attempts to support that claim. Um, and so in the one way, the sisterhood creed gives Black women and girls permission to exist with a different reality. And it supports um, that hope with these ideas. I will say, though, before I continue, the one thing I would change if I ever were to rewrite this is the line when I say, I'm encouraging you to jump believing that the net will appear. Because back then, I guess all my nets appeared. But now my nets are like missing. (laughs) And I need some women in my life who are still going to stretch out their arms. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's what I meant. If not, that's what I mean now. I need you to be there, um, even if I believe the net will appear. But it does not show up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so I've seen that in my friendships and relationships with these women, the women in my life. And I want to encourage just as much as I know Kayla, Aaron, and Jamaica also want to encourage Black women and girls to be this in each other's um, lives. And so that's why we wrote it. Um, and it's it's worked, mm-hmm. I think. I think people are so surprised when they hear it and they've it's made people stop a minute mm-hmm. and think again and endeavor to do, to do something different. Mm-hmm. And you use this creed also as a another way for participants to create work, to create images mm-hmm. or stories or essays or however mm-hmm. they want to express themselves based on, I think it's called the different tenets of the creed. Mm-hmm. So you have the sisterhood of joy, of suffering, of keeping, of acceptance, and of sharpening. And participants are asked to Give an example of a a Black woman in their lives who has played out one of those tenets. And they can do this in lots of different ways. Would you Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, So uh, Pamela had a really great idea of, so how do we continue to use the sisterhood um, creed as a um, as a tool, and that's how the the st- uh, storytelling series came to be. So yeah, we we asked women, and we still have a rolling is open. So if, mm-hmm. if anyone wants to um, send in, they can. But we basically we wanted to capture stories of how um, sisterhood play out in women's lives, women and girls' lives, and um, using those tenets. Yeah, and it was a multimedia approach. So we've asked for uh, whether it was an essay or or, or something written in a short manner, um, or an audio or a, or through f- photography as well. Mm-hmm. So we, we've also received images and through that, there was a whole multimedia approach of showing different examples of what sisterhood means to people. And I think it was a very powerful and it still is a powerful campaign especially when you really read or you hear or you see these examples of sisterhood, you you see all the complexities that there are of, of sisterhoods. And, you know, um, women and girls talked about uh, like real, like blood, blood sisters. They talked about, um, you know, being choosing to be a sister to someone through friendship. They talked about 
grief. They talked about love and joy. Like, so there's so many variations and um, factors of relating to each other as women and girls um, that I myself learned just reading and, and, and hearing and thinking through, um, you know, what, what does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean to be a sister? What does it mean to be a daughter? You know, all these different mm-hmm. things. So um, it is one of my favorite campaigns. And I think it's, it's definitely a foundation within the work that we do. The work of Beautiful Project Sisterhood is a core foundation. Mm-hmm. And we even through that, we kind of came through, um, came up with the idea of sisterhood as activism, because yes. that's how that's how we show our activism mm-hmm. as we link arms with each other is through, you know, sisterhood. So, yeah. And you might say activism for what? For my yeah. survival, yeah. for my well-being. When 45 is the president, how can your sisterhood be activism for my sanity, for my mental health? Um, Even with, you know, the the rise, it seems, in this awareness of um, suicide and just self-care and mental health. How can we how can your sisterhood for me keep me alive? And so we even developed a, a flow chart sort mm-hmm. of, of like practical ways for like, call your sister who is a single mom and see if you can make a meal tonight or see if you can take the kids to the park. Or, you know, that friend, that single friend who, you know, on Valentine's Day, you tell her you love her, but have you just taken her out on a date instead of asking her to come watch your kids? Or, you know, that sister who's, um, I don't know, struggling in her marriage, like, What can you offer for her or the sister who just got a new job or the sister who's starting a new business? Like, do you have extra money to give her as seed money for her new venture? And so we made a flow chart for all these different ways, practical things that you could just do to show. And I believe it's still up on the site if folks want to go to the beautifulproject.org and check it out. And like Kayla said, we would love if we had an influx of new submissions to kind of um, keep that going because I just don't think as with all of our campaigns, it, it doesn't get old. And I'm sure there's still some life happening that we will be refreshed to hear about sisterhood in that way. They're very powerful to read and watch and experience. And so I am so grateful that I got a chance to take a look at those. Thank so thank you for putting them up. It's just, I feel like, um, and I'm, clearly speaking for women generally yeah. there's so much emphasis on competition and comparison yeah. mm-hmm. and just being offered more examples of ways that we can interact as women with one another yeah. is just mm-hmm. such a gift yeah it's such a gift yeah. and even the the sisterhood of sharpening which is something that mm-hmm. i've never i've never come across that term mm-hmm. Is that a term that you you've like grown up with, or mm-hmm. the sharpening idea? Yeah, and I re- I will say that I pretty much so I tell my daughters the way I choose my friends is that they are all better at something than I am. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I aspire for. Either I want to be a better mom, or I want to be a better wife, or I want to be a better artist. They all have it. And so all of my friends sharpen me in that way. And my faith inspires that because there's the Proverbs that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Mm -hmm. And so I've grown up, yes, with that idea of wanting to have people in my life 
who don't just want me to be comfortable, mm-hmm. but they want me to be great. Mm-hmm. And I really will. I mean, like I can rattle off the list. Chastity, Radiant, Jamaica, Maya, like my friends who have, they've done that mm-hmm. um, for me. And so that had to be in there because that's not fun. <laughs> when you have to tell your friend like, hey, girl. Like you're slipping mm-hmm. and I'm going to need you to rise to yourself mm-hmm. because right now you are being a base version of yourself and it's not, it's not, I can't, <laughs> right. I can't let you do this. So yeah, yeah, that had to be, that had to be in there. It doesn't feel good to be sharpened. And ironically, honestly, for me, at least it doesn't feel good to have to be the sharpener, mm-hmm. but it's necessary in real friendships. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It's real too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you don't, yeah, if you don't have, it's about. I always it goes back to intention and mm-hmm. like in in choosing to be in someone's life and where are y'all going if yeah. you're if, if you're mm-hmm. not if you're not there to 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 make them better and to make yourself better in the process, you know. Mm-hmm. And is it real? Yeah, like if I don't feel like. I can say or you can take from me a, a word of, of sharpening encouragement, yeah. then are we, is this really real? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's a tough one. Well, it implies a certain level of commitment to one yes. another. It's yeah. like we're not gonna be we're not gonna be friends when things are great, and mm-hmm. you know we can just joke around and hang out. Right. We're gonna be great when yeah. things are tough, and we're gonna be right. and I'm going to be here from you. I'm I'm going to be here for you mm-hmm. on the other end of this conversation. Yeah. No matter how it goes, we still have each other's hearts. Right. And I think that it feels like it, things are very fast food culture, fast yes. food friendships yes, these days. You know, it's yeah. like your friends on Facebook and that's really, and that's not even, even really a friend, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. this is a different level of friendship that you're talking about yeah. that yeah. has, that's, it's 360, it's deep and it's long yep. yeah. and it's very powerful. Yeah. yeah. Which, My favorite one is the sister in keeping though, just because I, I feel like it's easy to just say, I'm not doing <laughs> I feel like often we give up on each other, yeah, you know, so quickly when things Absolutely. get tough. And like our latest uh, guest blogger, A. Curian, said, it's not that to advocate this painful, like, stay no matter what, she's mm-hmm. abusive, don't leave, you know, not like that, but just like give it some thought. Yeah. Let it marinate. Consider, have conversations, say the hard things, and then reevaluate mm-hmm. versus, oh, she made me mad about it here, you yeah. know. Yeah. And it's good, I think, for the little ones to learn this. Mm-hmm. I find even when my daughter tells me about some squabble that she's had on the playground or something, my knee-jerk reaction is, well, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to hear that, so just find another friend. <laughs> right, right, you know right. what I mean? But, yeah. we, but that's not what we're living in our household, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, that's it's not, so that's not what that. we're really wanting to tell them. And, to, right, and so right. giving some examples of, you know... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Maybe you should consider what's behind that yeah. thing that she said to you. And, you know, maybe you should ask some questions and try to have some conversation. Mm-hmm. You don't just need to pick up your toys and go home right. every single time. So there are other ways to handle That's this. That's yeah, explore. yeah, exactly. So I want to go back to some kind of logistical questions about the beautiful project. Durham is the home base of operations, but is this also a national campaign or do you have plans to turn it into a national movement? Mm -hmm. 
So I think we're very much so. um, So we actually now have a really big plan that I cannot breach because Jamaica will magically hear this even (laughs) even before it airs and hunt me down. But we do have plans of expanding in a big way, but not in the way that you might think. So she and I talked and tossed the idea back and forth of uh, piloting the beautiful project as a program in other states and cities and just decided that we just didn't think it was a great idea. And I'm about to say a really cool sentence, which I don't get to do often. So oh, that's I, not true. But. <laughs> I don't, but I was on the phone with, which I don't know if she wanted me to say her name. I was on the phone. I would say it. I, I was on the phone about. with Ambassador Shabazz. Oh, yeah. So Malcolm X's oldest daughter. And she said a statement that just like, for a moment, I was kind of like, does she realize that she's talking about her daddy? Like, you talk about your daddy. Because I was just so amazed that I was one degree away from the Malcolm X and all of his wonder in his wonderful daughter. She is, woo, this woman. But she said a thing. She said, when my dad said, by any means necessary, he meant one thing. But people have taken that phrase and attached it to all of these different images and meaning Mm -hmm. so that the world at large thinks that that was his M.O., these Mm -hmm. meanings that they've given this phrase. Mm -hmm. But it was not what he meant when he said that. And so she gave like a word of encouragement and a word of warning for all of our intellectual property, from the images to the words, everything, that once we share them with the world, they will undoubtedly take on alter meanings. Mm -hmm. And so she just wanted us to be careful about what we do with our stuff, not in this way to hoard it and not share it, but just be careful and also have a little bit of flow Mm -hmm. so that when we release it, whatever happens with it, we can live with that. But the idea of the Beautiful Project as a program is not one that we have felt like we will be okay if people turn it into something else. Mm -hmm. And so we found other ways that we like to um, express and share the essence of who we are and what we do but other programs, it's not that. And so it'll be more exhibits. It'll be us um, as a team or individually or some entity of us being out in the world doing our thing yeah. our way. And then I think we do that a little bit now, too, with past interns. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. So, yeah. So even though we are based here in Durham, we are a national movement and we operate as an art collective. Mm-hmm. So we are a collective of um, image makers Artists were also a collective of educators and psychologists mm-hmm. and um, nurses yeah, and, and designers, dancers. Yeah, all yeah. type of folks. And part of that is because of the intention we have around building um, women and girls um, that we just enjoy and mm-hmm. we rock with. So um, similar to how I was a past turn, we do have, was it four classes mm-hmm. of, of interns, of past interns who are now well into their adulthood and who are doing amazing things professionally across the country. And um, within the last year-ish, we've been reactivating those women um, into the collective that's in a very intentional way that's outside of just being a former intern or, you know, just volunteering here and there. Um, by them activating in, in our collective, it's a space for them to create alongside us. Um, mm-hmm. So whenever we have campaigns and um, exhibits, 
or produce our journal publication or the various different things that we're doing, there's always this space for them to also create. But like I said, majority of them are across the country. So um, there are ways in some ways where they are kind of like, even though we don't use this terminology, but like our ambassadors of beautiful, same thing with our um, other women and folks that support us in our community and our, um, you know, they're throughout the country. And then we have, um, and then with the actual digital campaigns themselves and the the exhibits, there have been times similar to the, the um, Sister Historian Telling series or um, there was a campaign that we did called Dear Black Girl, where we mm-hmm. asked Black women across the, honestly, anywhere. And we, yeah. and we received letters from the world. We yes. received letters from the continent, Africa. Yeah. We asked Black women to write letters. If you could write a letter to a Black girl, what would you say? And we received over 400 letters. Mm-hmm. So there are ways that we create spaces for people who are also outside of us as a core team, as well as the girls, the participants that we work with or the collective members, and we ask them to contribute in ways as well. Um, so that's kind of been um, in a digital and also physical, but like in specific exhibits that we curate, that's also been how we've been able to cultivate a more national yeah. movement. So I think what we've discovered, which wisdom did this for us, is that it's more important to us that the work and our mission and our vision permeates rather than us, mm-hmm. you know. And so that has required, once we discovered that uh, we didn't necessarily want the organization to, to replicate yeah, in different places, it, it, requi- it challenged us to think about our work and the reason why we do this work and has really pushed us to do something that I think is much more powerful than just having all these beautiful projects all over the world. You don't want a franchise, exactly. right? Yeah, you don't want a franchise, but you yeah. do want your, your work and your way of working to spread yeah. in these really beautiful, yeah. <laughs> beautiful yeah. ways. Yeah. yeah. And I love how you said that. Cause then when you say franchise, the first thing that came into my mind were the golden arches. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it's like, you see so many McDonald's yeah. that you almost don't You're see them. Yeah. Like, you know? And what came to mind when you said that, because that just seemed like a very cold thing. It's just like, that's just not how we operate. And mm-hmm. we are about relationships as well. Yeah. So even if we were, if we wanted to go to a different place, that's not in North Carolina, say in Chicago or, um, Texas or what have you, we're about, we're not going to go there cold. We're about intentional relationships. Yeah. So it's usually someone that brings us out there. And even if there is someone that we don't know yet, we will do the work right. to get to know who are yeah. the women, who are the people here to connect with. And then we will sit down and break bread, and like, and, you yeah. know, like eat yeah. and get to know them before we even talk about the actual work, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. about building that relationship because you know, a lot of our partnerships and the different things that we've done over the years with people who are outside of us, but that we rock with, that is through that relationship building. Yeah. Because here's the thing. You don't realize how easy it is to allow your privilege to be oppressive until you oppress somebody. Mm -hmm. And because all of us have a measure of privilege, we are just one word or action away from being oppressive. And so it is so important for us to be in relationship with people to figure out what is your intention? Mm. What are you really trying to do? How well do you know the community of people that you're that you're hoping to Mm -hmm. affect? Are you setting yourself up as a savior? Mm -hmm. Do you have these ideas that are going to make these girls feel like they need you or they need your help? Or are you going to 
bring yourself alongside them as a partner in their growth, maturation, and development, which will inevitably result in your growth, Mm -hmm. development, and maturation. And some people just don't realize, Black people included, how we just need to like take a breath and just examine our intentions Mm -hmm. and and let's learn together and let's figure out how we can present a different picture by recognizing the power that we have to do so. Yeah, like, that's deep work. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you are both artists in your own right. And I'm curious about how your art has been affected by your involvement with the Beautiful Project. Yeah. And t- tell a little bit about the art that you make too. That would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I am a writer. I am a um, film producer. I um, I aspire to be a filmmaker. Um, and through the beautiful, and I'm a photographer, obviously, right? So I, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so honestly, it was be- through beautiful. Um, that's where I've been able to truly step into the role and the identity of being an artist and being okay with that. Mm. Because I, I've always gravitated to art and I always had artist tendencies growing up and always wondered, hmm, what would it be like if I can do this for a living, but didn't necessarily feel like I had the permission to. But seeing how Jamaica kind of created this dream and she brought like us to work alongside her and, and each, it, yeah, so and seeing her and her artistry, seeing Pam and her artistry, like it's very encouraging for me as well to to kind of step into my role as um as an artist so how has your art been affected by the work that you do with the beautiful project Um, has it changed in any way do you think so we use the terminology so we see ourselves as image makers and that isn't necessarily just to as that isn't just limited limited to being a photographer Mm -hmm. um we you know um, you can create images with words as well. So that's been fun to really see how I can create images in so many different ways outside of just the camera, even though that's really powerful as well. Mm-hmm. We we also kind of adopted, we didn't come up with this, but this idea of image activism as well, um, which, I mean, I think the first person I've seen Say that was Michaela Angela, Angela Davis. Davis. Yeah. yeah, Michaela Angela Davis. Shout out um, to Michaela Angela Davis. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> um, who I walks in this. She's yeah. in this beautiful space of like her being an image activism, especially for Black women. Mm. Um, uh, image activist, I should say. And that's been fun because I also see myself as an activist. So how to use art and activism in the same way um, is is really fun for me. So. Beautiful impacted my art just from this idea of like the power of it and the purpose. So I enjoy to create, I enjoy creating, I enjoy helping others create, I enjoy creating spaces where mm-hmm. folks can come and be their full selves. And, and even people who may not identify and say that they're not an artist or they're not creative, because um, I've been there, it's like, no, everyone has it. I enjoy curating and, mm-hmm. um, all of us are curators <laughs> um, in, in creating spaces. So beautiful kind of helped me see all that I can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it also just gave me the space to like, to, to go do it. <laughs> what about you, Pam? 
Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just so taken by Kayla. <laughs> really, it's true. Like, I just remember when she came in as an intern and she has a very quiet, gentle spirit about her. But I just like to think of her as this like subtle and quiet storm oh, because gosh. she's so internally, she's so busy and brewing and thoughtful and intelligent and just I'm just so taken by her. And I just I cannot <laughs> wait to see her apex like I cannot wait to see what it looks like I just pray that I'm alive and in my right mind so I could just be like yes I knew her when yes I'm serious I I wish people could get to know her she wouldn't like that because she's kind of an introvert she's like she's in a transition right now she's kind of I have introvert tendencies. But yeah, so so I'm a writer um, and I'm also an artisan. And so I I like to say, which I feel like I'm I'm learning to do thanks to once again my writing coach, Zelda Lockhart. Um, I like to say that I follow in the footsteps of Maya Angelou and Alice Walker and Zornia Hurston and Toni Morrison, not because my writing is that brilliant yet, but more so because of um, I feel like this genre of storytelling that they uh, practiced of using either their real lives or the real lived experiences of black women and girls to create awareness um, and to um, inform folks on the realities of, of being us. And so I, I've i gone through most of my life experiencing so much shame for the things that have happened in my life, things I had no control over, and just feeling like I had to hide and instead perform a different reality. But it has been inside of the pages of their accounts mm-hmm. that I have felt like I can take off the mask and just give these people Um, give the world me um, Mm -hmm. and not be afraid to do that because what I hope to do for other black girls and women um, is what they did for me inside the pages of my writing offer freedom um, and clarity and um, spit upon the face of shame Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think one way that beautiful has played um, an integral part of of me not only being a writer, but wanting to write more and emboldening my writing is, first of all, their support. Um, these women really think I'm a good writer. Like, they, well, she is. I mean, you heard the sisterhood. Cre- I did. The way she's, I come did. on now. What? They, they she just talks and poems. They always do that. They do that for me. And so when I just write a thing and I'm kind of sitting there like, what y'all think? They're staring at me like, what you mean what we think? Mm. Like, we think this is great. And so it kind of it's kind of like, um, you know, on American Idol where the person gets up and they give you the backstory and you're like, oh, my goodness, what is this about to be? Yeah. And they open their mouths and it's like, no. Yeah. But it's like, who told them they could sing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they are my who told her she could write. But it turns out I'm OK. Like they didn't set me up to be booed or laughed at. Okay. Um, so they definitely emboldened me in that way. And then also, I think the experience of our work has um, just kind of fueled like the why like why do I need to do this because the world needs it Mm -hmm. um why is this important because the world is this way because the mere fact that the beautiful project exists says something about the world Mm -hmm. um and so 
Yeah, our work has just made me feel like I need to write and it would be a shame if I if I didn't. So I have one more question. I'm trying to figure out how to kind of pull it together based on something that you just said. You said that the fact that the beautiful project exists is an indication that the world is a certain way mm-hmm. that necessitates it. Mm-hmm. How is the world right now? And mm-hmm. how do you think the beautiful project will affect the world? Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, it takes a political climate like the one we exist in for people to realize that Black women are valuable. So when you think about, um, what was that crazy man? Was it Roy so-and-so who had the um, the reputation and all these allegations about him being like a pedophile, oh. and I think he was running for a particular office. I know and talking about, but I can't remember. I can't remember Maybe. what state yet because yeah. it's just not. It's so many, so many people. Anyway. <laughs> we don't need to hold his name, right? right exactly, we don't. Um, but when uh, black women turned out to shut him down, oh, then yeah. all of a sudden people are saying like, "Woo, black women saved the day. We've been saving days." Oh, You know, um, just it's with everything that's happened, as Kayla mentioned, with the way um, folks in places of authority treat black bodies, um, seeing which which for most of us, between the four of us, we can't even watch it Mm -hmm. of seeing footage of black girls bodies being picked up and tossed by resource officers at schools which then brings awareness, hopefully, to the prison to pipeline effects specifically on Black girls. Um, just all these different ways. The world just doesn't doesn't realize our brilliance, doesn't see our beauty. Um, it's always trying to, um, it's like we have to fight for validation. It's just a mess. It's a mess. And so what the beautiful project is doing through photography and writing is, first of all, not for the world. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. first of all for us, Mm -hmm. because so often girls and women, unfortunately, have bought into the messages. And really, can you blame us? Mm -mm. Like after explaining yourself so many times, don't you then start to take a step back and be like, well, man, is that true? Mm -hmm. And so we serve first and foremost as a reminder for us that girl, you're okay. No, girl, you're right. Girl, you are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Girl, you got it. It's all good. Girl, you know what? Let me show you how to use that camera and put show you how to use um, lighting and, and remind you that you are the aperture. Mm-hmm. You control the picture. Mm-hmm. You get to say what's worthy of being blasted. And, and let me put that pen in your hand and let's see how you would say that and tell you that all of your diction and punctuation is as it should be and that your speaking is well enough for a microphone and, and that your words should be published and put on billboards. Like, let me remind you and then let me equip you as best I can. And then if you put yourself in my hand, then let me do like the, the bird trainers do and lift you up into the sky and watch you fly. And so we just really believe that our doing that for ourselves and for each other first, the world gets what they need. The world gets what they need inevitably. We can't be so worried about the world that we play into what they need, but we also can't be so busy in our huddle that we forget what they need. Mm -hmm. And so it's a delicate balance of doing that all the time. And in the meantime, you're there for each other. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to be. Because sometimes it does feel like we're all we have. Yeah. Um, it does feel like that until somebody comes along and kind of gently places her hand on your elbow and you look up and, and you look long enough and you go, oh, okay, you are. Like, you are for real. You're really with us. Yeah. Um, but that takes a while. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, this yeah. was um, really great just to talk about what we do and why we do it. Sometimes we get so, or at least for me, like we get so deep into the work and our mm-hmm. heads are down. There are times we're just, we're in our space. So it's nice to kind of like come up a little bit and reflect and like, you know, really talk about who we are in this work and why it's important to us. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. Thank you for this space. I agree. Thank you. And just in their absence, I want to say um, Jamaica Gilmer, our founder, um, executive director, and Erin Stevens, um, our director of wellness, um, just that we love them. And I'm really grateful to be working alongside of them. Yes. I'm grateful for you and the work you do. And I'm so inspired and um, I can't wait to share this with our listeners. So Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Would you like to support the mission and vision of The Beautiful Project? The Beautiful Project is fiscally sponsored by the Southern Documentary Fund. Donations can be made online or via check and mailed to the Southern Documentary Fund. I'll include that information in the show notes. Artist Soapbox is a listener-supported podcast. Please support the podcast via our Patreon site patreon.com slash artist soapbox.